like not to be rude like web 3 and nft to me is just like the new like triangle strategy <laughs> oh my gosh pyramid there it scheme is. this man said pyramid it, i can't believe it. i mean <laughs> triangle strategy <laughs> that's why i was laughing i was like actually that works <laughs> snap <laughs> like i honestly just i know i honestly just think it's a pyramid scheme. Like, Hello, 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 super agile family. It's good to see y'all again, hear from y'all again, or I guess talk to you, you know, be, be, <laughs> this be. This is a one-way relationship. <laughs> this is a one relationship. But I know that you're talking. I know that you're listening. So this to me is like a conversation. You're a great listener. Great listener. I really appreciate you. You're such a great listener. <laughs> we should have more, uh, more like asides in our conversation. Like, oh, what do you think, family? What do you think? Just and then like, it's just crickets, just and we're like, pause. okay, and we just continue. do the <laughs> door explorer. What are you? Where's Where's the, the bag? Just I remember the first time I saw that in door explorer, and I was literally like, "Am I crazy right now? What's happening?" Right now? Like, <laughs> Did she just break the floor. Like, is it is, is it broken? In, but she's the still most blinking. Important wall. Oh yeah, she stares into your soul for a good twelve seconds. <laughs> but you know what? It, that's actually based on research because if you've ever been around children and like you give them a question like that, it'll well, literally take them that long to like, <laughs> like to c- comprehend what was said to them, think about what they need to do, and then like do the processing <laughs> of like, oh, it's yeah, right they, they need it. <laughs> oh, that's for children. Uh, <laughs> yeah they were, that makes your, sense i can see your that. college professors like assigned door <laughs> explore like you guys ready we're gonna learn about archaeology <laughs> <laughs> can you find the priceless treasure <laughs> silence there it is, <laughs> there it is. Could, i couldn't let it go for too long i was like it's about to sound like we broke <laughs> that junk was literally like a second it, <laughs> it, it felt like it an felt like 10 seconds man it felt yeah. like eternity so <laughs> so um as always we're happy to be here we're happy that you're listening and today's gonna be a fun one i think we have all different perspectives about this topic that we're going to talk about today i think we all have different uh experiences in particular, we're going to be talking about E3 or what is it? The uh, Electronics Something Expo. What is it? The third yes, right. yeah. Excellent. Entertainment Expo? Electronics Entertainment Expo? Uh, that sounds close. That sounds... So, somebody's going to correct this. Nothing but, like going into a topic and immediately not knowing something <laughs> about it. I mean, to be so honest, like, I don't, I don't even think... I think, like, from a purely historical standpoint, I knew that. But, man, I, like, who am I talking to who's really like, what does E3 actually stand for? It's like, man, get out of my face. Me. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Get out of my face. So, <laughs> <laughs> so in particular, if you've been paying any, uh, like, ping, if your eyes have been on the news and you're a gamer, you've heard about the disappointing news, which is that E3 was canceled for 2022. Now... There's different things behind this, and I want to talk all about the E3, what it's meant to us. Will E3 return? You know, what is the state of the gaming, you know, showcase world with E3? What is the state of play? What is the state of play? You know, uh, so let, let's talk about it. So I guess my first question for you guys, you brothers, is what is E3 
even been for you? You know, I think we've all had different experiences with it, how we've been maybe introduced to E3, how much we've cared about E3, how often we watched it or paid attention to it. So my my first question is, what do you think of E3 in general? Like, what's your take on it? How have you felt about it over the years? And such. I'll pass it off to you guys. For, I think my initial response to E3 was that it was like, a Disneyland sort of experience for gamers. It was always just out of reach too. Like I've I've never been to an E3 and I didn't look into how to go whenever, you know, I guess going was more coveted than it is now. Um, but it's always just been it's always just seemed like a, a Christmas, like just a huge yeah. a huge thing. Hmm. It's funny because when you said when you asked this question, I did not even consider going, like physically going. I only thought about watching it online. Oh. So when Kyle was like, oh, yeah, it's like Christmas. It's like Disneyland. And I'm like, oh, he's talking about actually showing up. <laughs> that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I've just been at home too long. So I, I, I think we all know, listeners will know by now that I went through a period of time when I wasn't really a gamer I essentially only had a dinky little laptop. I say dinky. At the time when it came out, it was noise, but it was my college laptop. And I gamed on that for a while. And it just didn't really hold up over time. Um, <clears throat> so, I, and I didn't really have any systems. I had a Wii, which granted it was pretty awesome. That's a man system. But, but outside of like, <laughs> you know, a few coveted Nintendo games. I wasn't really doing much except on other people's consoles. And part of that means I wasn't really paying attention to expos of any kind. So when I did start paying attention, it was really, I think it was mostly through Nintendo at first. Like, oh, Nintendo has a presentation at D3. The Switch just came out. Let's talk about this or whatever. I don't really know. I have a friend who knows like all the different, statistics about when who presented when and what games were talked about and how many times those games were announced before Mm. they finally were released or dropped um you know (laughs) i don't (laughs) yes duke nukem is a treasure trove of memes but uh yeah i don't know any of those statistics so please don't please don't call me (laughs) out i already know i'm a fool enlighten us steve yeah, when when was uh in dark in you? When was Half Life Three <laughs> announced? Which E three was that? <laughs> it is yet to be just uh, decided what E three that will be. Question. Anyway, I pretty much only watched it in my head. <clears throat> in my head, it's only an online entity. It's never been something I even considered going to. That's and interesting. I think in my head, I also kind of considered it as like a season. Because what happened over time was that companies started splitting off and doing their own thing around the same time as E3. So it just became like, oh, this is when all the companies are going to do their own presentations or streams like Nintendo does. Interesting. Interesting. So so before I, I respond to this question, Kyle, let me, let me uh, come back to you and ask you this. Because mm. Steve just gave his more or less his origin story of how he kind of learned about yeah. E3. So what about you? Like, what was your origin to, like, learning about E3? Like, how did you learn about it for the first time? When did they tell you that Santa Claus lives at E3? (laughs) 
So, growing up, I was really into a lot of gaming magazines. And um, so that was pretty much my insight into E3. Like, they'd have all of the things to look for for E3. Mm. The issue afterwards would have all these pictures from E3. And then, you know, on TV, there'd be all these commercials. I believe they were on TV. But I'd see, like, just commercials and highlights from the events. And so it was kind of a mixture of things. Um, I I didn't watch, like, E3 all the way through until fairly recently, like, within the last probably seven or so years. Um, so Gosh, before that, I was, it was, I was like, drip-fed drip what E3 actually was. And it was enough, <laughs> really. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I think for me, uh, E3 is one of those things that I don't know exactly when I learned about E3, but it had to be sometime in middle school because I was aware, kind of like you, Kyle, like I knew about E3 anecdotally because of like video game magazines, as I think I've shared before, I have a lot of game informers and I think in middle school is like the first time that I ever had any pocket money. <laughs> so like my parents actually gave me allowance of like, what was it? $5, you know? So I would like save up my little $5 and then I'd finally like be able to buy something here or there. You know, that's how I got advanced wars. That's how I got like uh, the subscription to eat. Uh, no, that's how I got my power up rewards membership, you know, like stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I do remember that, but vaguely E3 was still kind of like, what is this? It wasn't until a little bit later, I think, when G4 TV, like... Ooh, yeah. Like, Ooh, I love G4. Like, we had, we had basic cable, but it didn't come with all those type of channels. But then one day, they, like, changed basic cable where you'd get, like, more channels, like Disney and, like, G4 and stuff like that. And I started watching... Was it Adam Sessler and um, mm-hmm. Morgan Webb? What was that show called? Uh, if any of y'all remember... Oh man, I I'm, I feel like I'm gonna get beat up. Live. Attack of the show? No, that's not no. That was well, anyway. I I it'll come back to me. But they would do a big like E3 special, and yeah, that was about. when I was like, oh my goodness, this is the most incredible thing I've ever. I'm talking every game because you know, like you said, you get drip fed about like certain games. Maybe you hear about Zelda like when you saw it on the shelf, <laughs> you know. But I was mm-hmm. over here like. What? They're going to talk about Zelda. They're going to talk about Metal Gear. They're going to talk about Final Fantasy. And, like, they'd have all these previews. And you'd hear, like, you wouldn't know what games were going to be at the E3. You just, like, it was like, it was like the ultimate, like you were saying, Kyle, like Christmas. And I loved it. It was my favorite time of the year, June, you know, when it was coming around. (laughs) Christmas and summer, baby. Really? Like, I would be sitting around. I remember the first time that they really started doing it online i was in college so you could watch it on like watch it on the g4 tv website or something watch it live or something and i remember i was in an internship and i was supposed to be working <laughs> but i went to a cubicle in the back corner so i could watch it and work at the same time that was like the first Ooh. time i'd ever done anything like that so sure it was not the last not the I last remember. it was the beginning of uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, so yeah, I feel like E3 has been incredibly important to me, like as a gamer starting out. Uh, but and and I've loved it, and times have changed. I have different feelings about it. So, 
Um, so yeah, I mean, let, let, let's talk about E3 in the state it is now. Like, as it is, like, say E3 didn't get canceled this year. Like, do you care <laughs> if E3 exists? And, like, why would you care? Why don't you care? Like, you know, what? what is what does E3 represent for you now? You know, like, is it something that you even consider, you know? Uh, let me be honest here. I do not care that much. Because of what I said earlier, for me, E3 is mostly a season. Mm. Uh, and that season is a time where all big publishers and companies come together to bestow upon us their trailers and their myriad advertisements. Uh, so what happens is um, all these companies, like Nintendo, for example, right? They have Nintendo Directs, which is really great. But they also kind of just do their own schedule. Like there's several directs, major directs throughout the year. They do many directs throughout the year. You know, Sony does their state of play kind of whenever. And so the season has kind of died down very recently. But even before that, you know, even without E3 specifically, or yeah, even before that, I was feeling like I didn't care about e3 specifically because e3 was just the container for several presentations when there are also other presentations that weren't a part of it yeah i think i think i remember when nintendo said they were no longer going to show up at e3 like do a press conference and i think that changed everything i think that like literally was the like that was the death warrant for e3 in my opinion um Mm -hmm. because that was I was still at IBM, so that was probably 2017, maybe, Super like recent. yeah, 2017, yeah. maybe 2018. And I remember like them saying, "Hey, we're not going to do a real press conference anymore. We're just going to do the Treehouse event, right? And mm-hmm. so we're going to have some games, we're going to play them, show them off, but we're not going to do a stage showing off stuff and technology." And I feel like that was Nintendo saying, "Like, hey, number one." We don't feel like paying the money <laughs> yeah, to, like, be, a part of to be a part of this. And number two, we don't need you anymore because we've realized... Like, Nintendo is always, like, the... What do you call it? Like, the trendsetter, you know? Like, mm-hmm. they're the first person to get into motion controls. They're the first person to really do, like, 3D, like, uh, full motion 3D with, like, a joystick like correctly you know what i'm saying like they are the trendsetter in the industry as crazy as their systems can be (laughs) the wii u like it's always feels like it's setting the pace and i think they set the pace i think nintendo is the only true gaming company like console gaming company if you think about it right that's like the spirit of gaming they really are (laughs) like they're the only company who their main product is games you know sony that's a division of sony for Microsoft, it's a division of Microsoft. You know what I'm saying? So, I uh, I remember that change, changing everything. Yeah, I have to. Yeah, I, I think very similarly that um, you know, trying to get to I guess go to E3 really wasn't something that I considered until recently because we went to like GDC and so mm-hmm. to really get to see I guess the value of an expo like that. And then, like you're saying, the transition from the Nintendo coming out, you know, that, that speaks a lot about just how much value there is, I guess, still within E3. Because 
you know, when E3 started, it was super, it was, it, all the spaces were coveted because you know there's going to be tons of people yeah. to put eyes on your product in a way that you couldn't get anywhere else. And so now that's just not the case anymore. Like, like you, like you were saying, Steve, I think you, like they'll just post stuff randomly and get hundreds of millions of views and they didn't have to go anywhere. You know, like before, you know, the, the nineties, you knew everyone was going to be in a centralized location where you could solicit your, um, you know, your, your Nintendo 64. <laughs> you mm-hmm. can't, like it's not even necessary to do that anymore. Like all the marketing and stuff is on, it's online. You know, it's on TV. So I, yeah, I think it was like a financial decision too. Like you were saying, you know, to not pay to be a part of it, but also, you know, I'm sure you have to abide by their guidelines to some degree with your marketing yeah. and all these different hurdles. Like if you're on your own platform, you don't have to deal with any of that stuff either. So it's just there's a, there were more benefits. It seems like for them to leave than to stay i think that made a huge statement if one of the biggest players in an event leaves that something inherently valuable has been lost yeah yeah like i think right after nintendo left maybe not the same year but maybe the next year like that's when playstation because i think that next year was the year that the playstation 4 was going to get announced or something and the xbox one and they did pre, like normally when they did, you know, the console reveals at E3, man, that was the hypest moment, son. Like, oh, yeah. You, oh, yeah. You were just waiting because you knew like, okay, they're going to talk about the PlayStation 3. We know what's going to be. Is it going to be this year? Like you didn't always know, like if it was going to mm-hmm. be that year, like you were just like watching with bated breath the conference. Okay. Do they have one more thing? One more thing. You know, like, like it was, it was <laughs> did just, you just do an uncle from Jackie Chan. <laughs> well, it was, I had to it, pull that it, back. it wasn't supposed to be, but it kind of <laughs> happened because I was, <laughs> was somewhere in between. You didn't fully commit. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was trying to actually just do like, Hey, I'm an executive on the stage. And then there was a little bit of uncle in there. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like, so it was like bated breath and like, what happened was Microsoft did that first shot across the bow when they did that weird conference where they basically were trying to say that their that the Xbox One was going to be like a TV like box or something like it was supposed to mm-hmm. replace your cable and also they did the weird DRM stuff and everybody was like boo boo this man <laughs> and then PlayStation was like this is our time. <laughs> <laughs> they took <laughs> roast Microsoft, and they immediately dropped that. The PlayStation Four is like, we're not DRM and nothing. This thing is gangster. You gonna <laughs> want it? We got all the games, and it was like, and boom, they did. you know. And then E3 that year was just about the games that were gonna be on the PS4. That's when they did the Final Fantasy VII remake reveal and a lot of different things, which was still really, really hype. Mm-hmm. But you started to see that the console makers we're starting to realize, oh, we have the power. We could just drop it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Like on our random site and people will show up, you know. So, yeah, I don't. I mean, it, it's. Yeah. Were you going to say you something? Think, yeah. Yeah. Do you guys think that something is like lost in the translation between a live expo that's being streamed and just a direct stream? You mean. What do you mean? Like, I don't know. There's just, I was just thinking about the hype of like a Microsoft event where they still kind of do 
at least like a real presentation with someone physically there and you know and then on top of it but then compare that to a nintendo direct or a state of play where it's all digital mm-hmm. there's not really anybody presenting there's just a voice or like a video of somebody maybe oh like live content versus pre-produced uh yeah but not just not just the fact that it's live but the fact that there's like a i don't know maybe it's the audience you know uh, presence you made me think of like if have you hmm. ever seen uh man there's this show on nickelodeon where they remove the laugh track and yeah <laughs> and the show just completely is a different show like it oh, yeah. feels almost depressing <laughs> yeah every show without a laugh track you know is unnerving and unnerving, i and i yeah. think that's what the crowd brought to like e3 that it's almost like it was a laugh track because i remember when they would do reveals and everybody would go like the music might like maybe i'm not super familiar with the franchise right i'm not familiar with the music or the logo or some type of thing but like then like the 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 theater goes black right and then you hear Mm -hmm. then it's like oh and then everybody's just you hear the crowd just that roar it gets you hype you know what i'm saying there's the yeah, I mean, it's the crowd, but I think it's also just, like, seeing the stage light up, mm-hmm. seeing, you know, whoever come out here with his black t-shirt or, you know, talking about whatever presentation. It, I don't know, but it, it seemed like there was something really cool there. On the other hand, you have Nintendo Wii music moments. <laughs> <laughs> but that's right, the thing. yeah, the experience yeah. is super yeah. inconsistent. It's inconsistent. Just... There's uh, there's a lot of, there's <laughs> there's potential for good and for evil. And I think that's the what you're describing is that it felt real, you know, like it felt like, mm-hmm. yeah, of course, it was a little bit manufactured. Like, I don't know if you saw the year that they brought like some type of Lamborghini for uh, Forza, whatever it was. For Microsoft. I did see that, you know, that was pretty bonkers. You know, Didn't it, we see that together. Weren't we watching that at IBM? I think so. It was pretty like gangster. And then like, like, wow, oh, they'd be flexing. They flexed hard. They made a whole like mechanism. Like there's something about like going above and beyond like it, it felt like you were watching a show like a like a performance like Cirque du Soleil or something right, you know right yeah exactly but now it's just kind of like it's just a press release it's like get some people in a a room with the green screen and say today we're gonna talk about the newest Zelda and then they do that little slap the snatch the the snatch the, 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 the snap the snap <laughs> the switch snap the, the click switch click yeah and then it's like cool but Boo-boo-doo. Boop, but there boop, is something boop, boop, fun boop. to seeing the the awkward Wii music stuff and those memes that you can get from those moments, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's special. It's special. I was just watching... Well, let me not say that, actually. I'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, the, I mean, we we get on PlayStation a lot. We say how great it is, how great, they're, how great it is that their stated plays are so snappy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... There is something a little disheartening, I think, about looking at the sterilized, you know, 3D animations. I mean, you know, good on them. They have really cool animations between each, I guess, little snippet, right? They they have like the 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 button, mm-hmm, the weird like overlay, like bing boom bing boom. Yeah, like all the X's <laughs> flying around and yeah. then the triangles like morphing out of each other, and like that's really cool. But it, I feel like I think I think since the first time we saw that a year or two ago, it's become less cool it's like all right we know that you're just you know i would i would like to see maybe a person or i mean gosh they've done some cool stuff that seems like it's taking up time and Mm -hmm. my friends always get mad about it but i'm like oh when they brought in 
um, they brought in that band to do the Persona soundtrack live or like some Final Fantasy song. Like, I don't really care that much, but it's cool to see something different and kind of performance based. And and the reaction to, to their experimentation is different, too, I guess, from like maybe the the more vocal side of the Internet. Like they'll just roast whenever they do anything out of the box and they'll meme it to death and, you know, it'll get a lot of views and stuff. But I guess in the industry, like business in general, I guess they say a lot of publicity is like, or all publicity is good publicity. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't always been the case, I guess, with these E3 print uh, I don't even know gaffs. what you want to call them. Yeah, the gags. Yeah. No, I, I said gaffs, like mistakes. Oh, yeah, gaffs. Too. I assume that's what you're talking about. Gaffes. Yeah. Well, it doesn't even seem like it's mistakes necessarily. It's, it's choices that they make, but they're just kind of like tone deaf or just odd. Or they don't, I guess they don't, they're not as impactful as they perceive they will be. Cringy. I th- yeah. I, th- I think that's kind cringy. of, I think that's kind of the like, um, like when I think about if you compare YouTube to Twitch, right? Like they both have similar types of content, but what they represent is very different, right? Like YouTube, people have an expectation for a very like tailored experience, right? Like give me what I want, cut out the fluff, get to yeah. it, you know? But in Twitch, you have these four hour long meandering streams that just are whatever they are, but they might be covering the same topic. And I think why we like the PlayStation Directs or State of Plays is because we're expecting a YouTube experience. We're expecting it to be tight, buttoned up, and give me what I want so I can go back to work <laughs> or go back to what I, was, yeah. what I was doing, right? Versus what I feel like the E3 or the Oscars or the Grammys or whatever they are, it's kind of like this long-form exper- experience. Celebration. Celebration is a good way to put yeah. it. Like, you're in the moment. Like, you try to... You make a meal out of it. Exactly. You sit down. You don't watch on your lunch break. You, like, take time off. Yeah. You attend. You, yeah, you attend. You go fly across the country, but nobody's like, hey, guys, we got to, you know, let's take two hours off to watch the Nintendo Direct. It's like, hey, let's just watch it on lunch because it's happened. Like, let's align our lunch for that 20 minutes <laughs> when it drops, you know, or let me just wait till I get off work and then I'll watch it on YouTube and just try, like, not to pay attention to anything. You know, like, I think there's just power to, man, I, you really got me thinking, Steve, because my mind when I was coming into even talking about this topic is like, ah, like, do we really need E3 personally, right? Um, yeah, same. And, and the more I think about it, I'm like, I do, I don't mind some of the stuff that I, I, I don't mind the accessibility that the digital age has given us. So, yeah, maybe in the past, I wasn't really paying attention to Gamescom that much, right? How I learned about Gamescom was normally, like, in, like, retrospect from journalists. But now mm-hmm. I can hear about J- Gamescom's conferences live, quote-unquote. But yeah. I do miss a little bit of that fanfare, you know? Like, we don't have anything. I mean, the Game Awards is, like, the closest, but, like jeff Keeley awards but not really you know in a weird way kind of taking a step back going the more digital approach giving more people access has kind of diluted the experience like yeah. it's really removed a lot of the humanity um and i guess it's pushing it's kind of pushing us more into i guess where the games industry is kind of going is that it's this is, a, I think, a gripe we made about even the uh, awards is that it's not about the developers. It's not about the people. 
And so even E3, I guess, is becoming less about the people too. I, I, I mean, we say all this, I do appreciate the more buttoned up experience sometimes. I think I just want both. <laughs> Not at the same time. Like, I don't want one presentation to do both, but I would like, yeah, maybe Nintendo uh-huh. does a bunch of directs and then one like presentation. Mm. You know, yeah, it seems like they've kind of tried to strike a balance. Like, the last direct where they were showing off the um, Wii Sports or Switch Sports <sighs> kind of they tried to, I guess, channel yeah, the maybe. energy of the live stuff. They sure did. That was that, but that's to me like. I think I made the comment at the time. I was like, "Wow, they've they've managed to channel the energy of the Wii music, you know, <laughs> performiness. <laughs> Even though there's no performance, it was live, and they still not live. Uh, you Pre-recorded, know, yeah. Stream, but it was so goofy. I guess I can't believe they spent what was it like ten minutes talking about that. It's like, all right, it's a sports game. It looks great. I might buy it. You know, I, it looks fun. Yeah. I don't need to see. You know, I, I think also there's there's this element that we don't think about when we watch something live. Like, say you're watching a play or you're watching a sporting event. Is that anything can happen, right? Like, yes, that's exactly yeah, what, I'm, what I'm saying. You know? Yeah. And, like, I remember when they <laughs> first introduced the Wii Motion Plus and they were doing mm-hmm. the demo of Skyward Sword. And it was jacking. It was, like, all jacked up. Because oh, yeah. there's so much IR interference inside of the, the auditorium that, oh, like, yeah. uh, Miyamoto or whoever was doing it couldn't get it to work right. And, and like, they had to, like, they, he kept trying, kept trying, and then eventually they just had to move on and kind of apologize. But, like, as much as that was, like, a f- like when I say, like, hey, you're about to have an E3, like, when you, you're, like I say this a lot, like, when you do a demo, it's like, man, oh, yeah. you, you're, e- you're about to E3 it. It's like either you fake it or, or something that you never expect is going to go bad. <laughs> um, but I think there's something exciting about like, okay, they're going to show us some new hardware live for the first time in public. You know, like mm. even if yeah. e- even if you heard leaks, even if you heard about it, it's different than like seeing Nintendo CEOs and VPs like stand up there on a stage in front of hundreds and hundreds of people knowing they're being watched and be like, all right, this is the time, you know? I, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, the example you're making only really works for Nintendo. Like, a, seeing a new Xbox or PlayStation is cool, but aside from the Kinect, like, they're not going to have anything interesting to show in a live situation. Like, it might as well just be well, off-screen, pre-recorded. I, I would disagree a little bit, like... once again times have changed so i don't know if it really like you might be right in in this era but definitely in the past i remember when gears of war 2 they showed the demo and you you have to remember like a lot of the games that they show at e3 were like they like this is using in-game engine like no it wasn't you straight line like i can't remember (laughs) what game it was like where it turned out that they were just using like a super high-powered pc (laughs) like and they weren't actually using the system um but i think there was this thing where like especially with games that weren't uh that were just being introduced right like gears of war was the first time it was being showed world premiere and they're showing it running in real time and somebody's on stage with the controller and you could see them and they're like, you know, they're scripted like moments within the the game. But you can tell like the person is like actually playing. 
And, okay. You, yeah, you know, that's fair. and then something goes wrong. Like I remember one time, uh, the game like soft locked, <laughs> but they were like, uh, let's hold on one second. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it was still super cool to see like, oh, this game is actually working. Like it's going to be ready in a year, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. And I think a lot of those moments where things do kind of break down. First off, I think there's more grace in hindsight. Like when it's happening live, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. it's a disaster. But then afterwards, you're like, oh, so this is what they were going towards. But I think it's also kind of shifted how people approach live demos. Like you were saying, you know, getting E three is is detrimental. At least it seems like it is. And so, like a lot of people have. I guess lost a lot of trust in the industry because you really don't know when it's being faked. And sometimes that it kind of comes across, at least to me in these demo or in these showcases that what I'm watching, isn't what I'm actually going to get. Yeah. It it seems like it's more often now than it used to be, or I, maybe it's just more apparent. I don't know. Cause you, like you, you, you did mention, you know, it, it, it wasn't that people weren't lying about it back then. It was just kind of different, I guess. Hard to hard to kind of pinpoint. So I'm, I'm going to reiterate my advice: don't pre-order video <laughs> games. Just don't, except for in specific circumstances where if you really, really want the pre-order bonus, it's got to be <laughs> or for if, or if Nintendo pulls a, a Smash Ultimate and like show tons and tons of demo and tons of features and lets people play with it on stage, like. And has the don't, backlog don't. to support how good the game's going to be. So, so what do you? No, 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 no. Not, not even reputation isn't enough. Oh, yeah, you can't. Yeah, the you're game right. has right. to look good. It's a fair point. Yeah. But, but you know, it's so interesting because it's cool, uh, Steve, that you have the experience that you didn't experience E three prior to the more the digital side, like when Nintendo was kind of moving to the direct. Because you got to think about the industry. In the past, prior to like 2015-ish, right? Like, there, like DLC wasn't a thing. You couldn't do updates to your game after you released them. And, uh, like, the whole concept of how you learned about a game was very, very different, right? Like, leaks were still a thing, but very, very uncommon. Yeah. Very uncommon. Like, you wouldn't know, like, genuinely... The coolest thing and the thing I miss the most about the older times is that you would literally not know a game existed until it showed up on E3 stage. Like, no clue. Like, zero clue. Like, what? They're making this game? You know, the new Halo. It still happens sometimes. Very rarely nowadays. You know, because I think without the place of something like an E3 to really, like, boot. And, and also the idea that, like like you said, pre-orders don't really matter that much. I think you kind of have to do the long sell, right? Like, hey, like, check out my game. Hey, bye. And then and the competition is huge, right? There's so many games. Uh, and and one thing that uh, I think we as consumers don't think about from as far as E3 is that E3 also is a business thing, right? Like, it's how yeah. a lot of companies speak to their stakeholders, speak to the big box stores that are going to hold their systems and their games and these companies are watching to real like to decide if they're gonna pre-order you know a certain amount of xbox 360s you know what i'm saying like 
huh, like what's the what is the the vibe that the community has for this? How did it go? How did it present? How much money do we want to invest in the next thing? You know, so it's I just think that now it's just different. You know, I don't I don't know if, you know, because I really do think back in the day a pre-order meant something because you knew once it shipped, it couldn't be updated. <laughs> it was done. Like, right. You know, um, uh, I would argue that it's make, that would make pre-orders, pre-orders even more dangerous because if a game shipped poorly, that was just what you were stuck with forever. <laughs> but but that, that's the thing. Like, I don't it's it's hard to in, in co- are you arguing that games didn't ship poorly as often? Uh, yes, I a hundred percent, hundred percent. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can believe 100%. that. And I think also there's a thing where, um, you wanted to be playing a game at the same time as everybody else was playing it. And like, I remember people who would pre-order the new Halo and then take days off of school, like literally take school days out of school to play Halo yeah. or oh, for sure. work. Yeah. You know. And I remember standing in line to get the newest Halo, you know, on the day it dropped and knowing that if I didn't pre-order, if I didn't show up at the thing, there wouldn't be a copy for me and I'd have Mm-mm. to wait to the next ship well, that comes around. To me, that's the big difference. Like, I take it as a given that people are going to want the game early, if not day one. Like, sure, that's fine. But now when most people buy their games digitally, there's no reason. <laughs> there's really no reason to digitally pre-order. and on a thousand different platforms. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I yeah. That's if the- you want your game, if you want your game physical edition, and you want it day one, and you you think there's likely to be a problem getting it. I had a problem getting Metroid Dread. I wanted the collector's edition, which is very rare. I did not pre-order it, and I struggled to get it, <laughs> and I got it, and uh, happy am I. You but, got the collector's edition anyway. Oh yes, I what? sure did. Wow. Yeah, that's nice. It's sitting in my bookshelf right now. Did I not tell you about that? Oh, it's got the most glorious steelbook. Nice. I've seen it, yeah. but I didn't know you had one. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And 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 I think I just want to like emphasize that I'm talking about pre like 2015, and I'm not talking. <laughs> yeah, about yeah, that. long like, time ago. And, I got you. And in that like, I think that statement definitely holds water now. That hey, you probably not pre-order. I don't think there's like most. <laughs> if you think about it, most games are gonna have a giant you know dlc or update on day one because the game oh, was, absolutely you know um and yeah but i think back then it was just different you know like like literally it was different i remember pre-ordering wind waker 2 like going to gamestop and getting i still i had the receipt for a long time it finally degraded a few years back but it was a receipt that said wind waker 2 and it was before they had announced the name for Twilight Princess, but they had announced that they were making a new game at E3, and you could go pre-order it. But you had to wow. spoiler alert, and you had they did not make a sequel for Wind Waker. Well, they, <laughs> I'm sorry, they were making a new Zelda game. They were making a new Zelda game. No, no, I, I'm not, I'm not correcting you. I'm just uh, making a comment. Like, yeah. So you, if you thought the story was going to continue, actually. Yeah, doesn't the Hero of the Winds have another story now that I think about it? Yeah, like spirit tracks and all kind of things. I think that's the same. I think, yeah, I think he's guy. the same link. Yeah, it's the same link. So I guess that is kind of Wind Waker, too. Anyway. Uh, Phantom Hourglass, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, he's, that's the one. he's plenty of adventures. But yeah, and, and once again, if you didn't pre-order, there's a chance that you weren't going to get a copy for a while. 
Makes sense. So uh, definitely pre-order that. Yeah, yeah. Plus, you can usually trust Zelda games. Yeah, and this is in the past. Usually. This isn't past. I mean, you could trust most games by because remember, there's just less studios. There was like AAA, AA, and really nothing else. You know, there was no such thing as indie. You know, so well, I don't. Yeah, I mean, pre-ordering indie games is definitely uh, a crapshoot. Yeah, gamble. I mean, these days, even pre-ordering AAA games that have lots of marketing and clearly lots of money behind them. Yeah, no, no, I, I understand. Agree. I'm, 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 you know, once again speaking about the past. You know, it's just like all right, all right, all right. it's just yeah. like it was just a different time, and I think E3, what it represented then, is very different. Like, I can't necessarily get hype about any game ever since Anthem appeared. You know, <laughs> like that was the end yeah. of me in yeah. E3. You know, yeah, because it says a lot for. I mean, I would think that there is some sort of quality assurance that happens before people go and present at E3. And, I, and I'm sure if you have enough money, they'll let you present anything. But I don't know. Since it is for the shareholders and all that, and, you know, speaking on Anthem, it was it was a game made to just make them money. I don't know. Something, it just it feels like they, they didn't realize, I guess, just the detriment that some of the decisions they were making would have on the longevity of the whole event, much less, you know, the people who are involved. You know what else is magical about live performances? Speaking of bad games. Uh, Are you wanting us to answer? (laughs) Yeah, this is, (laughs) I want you to guess. No. Wait, answer the conversation. What was the question? I said, do you know? Do you know what else is magical? Speaking of bad games, do you know what else is magical about live performances? So, so okay, let me let me tell you what's up. Audience <laughs> interaction. I don't. I don't know. Look, I, I just want to say this. I've never like whenever a person is like trying to like ask me a question, what they but they already have an answer, and they're like, and I know I'm like, bro, I don't know what you want from me. I just go, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so you you're like the one. And I'm like. Guess what happened on my birthday yesterday? And you're just waiting, like you won't. You I'm won't just guess. gonna go. What happened? Like, it's a, I mean, <laughs> that's fair. Rhetorical like, uh, guess. A lot of people ask that rhetorically. Yeah, like I just happened to not be. Like, what answer would I say? Did a pterodactyl come and take your gift? <laughs> 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 I guess any answer. Somebody's been watching Harry Partridge. Mm. Uh, no, mm. so the magical thing about one of the magical things about a live show, like a presentation with an audience is when a studio or a publisher or whoever completely is disengaged and they have the worst announcements and you can just hear, you can just feel the temperature drop in the room over the internet. Mm. Like that is magical. I just watched, I guess this was three years ago, four years ago, when Blizzard announced Diablo Infinite or Eternity or whatever. Hmm. I think it was Eternity. The mobile Diablo. So everybody was geared up for Diablo 4. And they were like, you know, we love how our current technology connects us with our families and our friends. And we want to create a game on a platform that's going to be available and accessible to so many people. And so, you know, introducing this game. Mm. And I was watching a video where someone had recorded a live chat. uh, And you could just see, like, the tone in the chat immediately changes the room goes quiet, you know. Famously, that one guy gets up and asks if it was a April Fool's joke, <laughs> <laughs> and you can just see the devs just don't know, like the people announcing it have no idea 
yeah. how much crap they just stepped in. Gosh, what a magical moment. <laughs> and, and I feel like that's, that's, that's the magic moment. of the non... Like, like, you know how like, people say death by committee? You know, like where like a whole bunch of people make a decision on if something is gonna like exist and i feel like when you have a pre-recorded event that stuff doesn't happen because you have like like probably a hundred people watch that pre-recording prior to it getting released you know what i'm saying so like 90 percent of the bad stuff is just gone you know so you always back nope you just get a perfect you get that social media representation you know i don't know and i think well maybe you're right i i i was gonna say that people still like comp- these companies still make mistakes they still air stuff that's goofy super goofy i guess nothing as bad as diablo infinite has come out recently i'm trying to think of an announcement that was just so poor and so like out of touch um, All I can think about is the opposite that happened with Keanu Reeves, but then the game let people down. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a bummer. But you're talking about at the Game Awards? What? Oh no! When he, yeah, the fact that Keanu Reeves like had this incredible presentation that just buoyed the game into the public eye, and then the game turned out to be trash. Yeah. What's that? Or cyberpunk trash. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we're talking about cyberpunk. Yeah, I, I, maybe. But wasn't oh, that? Yeah, I was gonna say was maybe you're right. Wasn't that maybe live-ish? this ish? That there was, was a live. That was a live presentation. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember. I don't, that wasn't E3 though, was it? Um, I don't remember. I, 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 it was something close. I recall it, but I do not remember. It might have been the Game Awards. Cyberpunk has been was was around like every show, so who knows? Yeah. Um, what I was gonna say though is you might be right, Brad. That like the worst offenders kind of get chipped away because of the committee as you say but i think on the other hand they miss out on the immediate crowd reaction to a game when they announce it yeah like i guess they can see the downvotes on youtube but, but it, i wouldn't trust i wouldn't trust youtube i wouldn't trust the internet at large i would trust the group of people that paid money to come to my show and, and yeah you know and are invested in my company and yeah i think that's the the part that's like a little like you you describe i like i said i Walking into this, I didn't even think about it, but I think that's the the thing that E3, the missing piece that nothing will be able to, maybe something will come back to bring, you know, maybe an E3, E4, uh, but that like this special moment where you never know what kind of magic can come from a moment, right? Like there's certain things that happen on an E3 stage that would never happen in a, in a Nintendo Direct, right? Like... What was it? Uh, there's the moment where, um, goodness, like there's a, a moment from the past E3. It's like um, giant crab monster. I can't remember exactly what it is. It's a meme like for older gamers, like people who've been around for a while. But it's like a, a meme that really represents like how excited a developer was about a very stupid feature. <laughs> oh. But 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 it was like it, it was kind of endearing, you know, like, oh, like he really cares about this. Well, it wasn't a developer, I don't think. Well, I can't, I can't remember exactly who said it, but it was just... Whoever was presenting. But it was something that, like, endeared the gaming community. Because, like, oh, he, like, really cares about this, but this is kind of stupid. Like, you're never going to see that in a Jeff Keighley, you know, presents X, you know? Like, you don't get those special, <laughs> unique... Jeff Keighley's too jaded. <laughs> too smooth. 
There's really no, um, there's not very many, if any, like off the cuff moments. It's like things, they're, they're too tailored of experiences now to where, I th- and I think they are just trying to suit the mode or fit, fit, fit a mold. I think you, you, you called this out earlier, Breston, about the YouTube, I guess, mindset about even when it comes to the live presentations, they have to time box it. Yeah. They have to switch segments at the right time because of people's attention spans. Like they're fighting against all these different things that are plus it's being televised. Yeah, and and so I think just the whole dynamic shifts, and in line with I guess the live audience, it reminds me of what happened I guess during the pandemic with all the sporting events. You know, just not having a crowd mm-hmm. at something that usually has a crowd that you could still have the same game, the same presentation, everything about what the, everyone's coming to see could be the same. But not having the energy, yes. the electrifying, you know, just of, of a mass of people, it, it makes a, a huge difference. Yes, I, I can speak like like for me, you know, I'm a big UFC fan and they just had a card this past weekend. And to feel the energy of a crowd from a moment to moment when the tide is shifting. Oh, one fighter is doing a thing. Oh, he takes it to the ground. You hear the crowd like, oh, you know, and then, you know, you somebody hits, throws a certain punch that maybe like you as a viewer can't really see how much of an impact it has, but the mm-hmm. crowd was, and like it gets you off your feet. Like you could ask my my mother in law and my my wife, like how hype I was watching the pay per view. Like I was super hype because I feel like there was something about the crowd, even though I wasn't there and I was watching on my TV. I felt so immersed you know, in the moment, but when they didn't have a crowd and they're fighting in Vegas and it was just like, all you could hear was the coaches telling the fighter what to do. It just felt like you were watching. I don't even know what it felt like. I was watching like, a, like somebody practice. <laughs> like a reality Should show I, yeah, or a movie. Yeah. Like it just felt kind of weird. I mean, the fights were still good, but I just don't, it didn't have those moments. You know what I'm saying? Like that energy, that, that there's a reason people love going to you know, like you said going to football games or basketball games or whatever like there's nothing yeah. like a crowd you know dang i think i've convinced myself that i want e3 to come back <laughs> i i mean i'll say that just going as i mentioned this earlier i i i would like to get the opportunity to go to i guess what e3 was at some point i don't think it'll ever be <laughs> the same now that it's if it comes back i don't know what it'll look like since it's been canceled yeah i i think you made some good points steve just about the idea of like hey don't pre-order you know you never know what a game's gonna be like there's a lot of things that have changed about the industry that like the what e3 represented to the industry as a whole maybe it can't represent anymore right like it can't like even even with you know we talked about what the PlayStation 5 or whatever last you know episode like i don't even know how hype i would be about the PlayStation 5 at E3 because there's a very good chance prior to E3 i would have heard about it like 50 times in our mm-hmm. in our culture so like the crowd there's no energy it's just like you telling me about stuff i already know so it feels like it really has to be reserved for like the top secret things you know what i'm saying like has somehow managed not to be, you know, like it has to be different, you know, um, maybe it's like special invite, you know, like, 
only certain publishers can come and like one every publisher can only present one game or something you know oh that'd be sick yeah that would change the whole dynamic you know and 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 if they know that they would just hold those announcements to that moment because they know everybody's watching so yeah you're gonna wait you're gonna hold elden ring you know because that's the game you know (laughs) not gonna Um, let people anticipate it You know, um, you could have a segment. You could have two games. One has to be a new game, and one has to be a update on a current game. Mm. Yeah, I, I would accept that. Yeah, it would just be NFT stuff. Like, I feel like this E3, if it didn't get canceled, <laughs> it'd just be like nothing. But- <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you guys. Actually, is so- how long do you think it'll take before NFTs swamp our? Uh, our live show like because if they come into the shows i feel like that's the point at which the game industry maybe not the public and the gamers but at least the industry is fully accepted nfts like so at what point do you think that'll happen never never you have you have hope Uh, a brighter day i kind of i felt at some point that microtransactions wouldn't be as standardized and so in hindsight of that i think it's a matter of time before they exist in some capacity in everything that's produced. Okay, okay, okay. If if they well, take off. There's already a pretty strong backlash against microtransactions. There is, but it hasn't stopped them, and it, and it hasn't really affected the numbers from what it seems like. Okay, okay. So, can, I, I want to lobby, ahead. like, in in, in a, as, as well as I can, why I don't believe NFTs have any staying power right okay let's hear it so microtransactions that's a perfect example of what i think actually makes sense why there's a reason it still exists because it has a utility and a purpose it actually serves some value to like players like it doesn't matter that microtransactions can be predatory anything can be predatory but they do. Your so- mama can be predatory. <laughs> thank you, thank you. You know, uh, she is a shark. <laughs> I don't know, but um, like <laughs> shout out to Miss Henry. You know, no, no, no offense. <laughs> you Sorry, know, Mrs. H. <laughs> but um, yeah, don't disrespect my mama. I'll fight you through. <laughs> but anyway, um, oh, what I was trying to do now and then lost my train of thought over here. <laughs> Sorry, you said like they have utility. Yeah, yeah, okay. Even though they are, tra- they can be. They have, they have utilities, right? So I go into a game. For example, technically, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate had micro microtransactions. Like, like you may not see it that way, but the they, me costumes. They, basically, the DLCs are still microtransactions. They're just smaller transactions <laughs> that give you something that you want. We can call it what we want to call it, DLC or whatever, but it's a transaction that's outside of the normal norm of you just buying your game, right? So literally, like it's literally micro. I didn't buy any of it, but it doesn't. Devalue Smash Brothers to me. I don't. Uh, Well, well, what you're saying is mostly true. I will point out for the sake of the sake of argument, I guess that microtransactions I think encompass more than just physically buying, like paying for things. I think there's the the element of like loot boxes and uh, oh, the surprise mechanic started side of it. Sure, yeah, but I think the idea of like in-game currency and and surprise, like not surprise, uh, a loot by an unknown loot box with an unknown drop, so is kind of so part as of. As I mentioned, anyway, as I mentioned, you're right. I'm just some saying. can be predatory. That doesn't mean just because you know people sell oxycotton on the street and have created addicts does not mean oxycotton is bad. 
right? It's just how it's implemented and used. So my point is microtransactions actually have a use to the gamer who wants, like people who play FIFA. I said FIFA. People who play FIFA. <laughs> it's FIFA. It's FIFA now. People who play FIFA. <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> Disrespect. People who play FIFA, they buy, they, like, they buy the little cards. You could say, hey, that's a predatory thing that you buy trading cards. But ask anybody who's a trading card fan. They enjoy buying the cards. Maybe that's a problem that they need to deal with. But at the same time, it's something that brings them value and happiness, right? The now, fault I mean, isn't in the yeah, cards. The, the fact that I just defended DLC fighters proves your point. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> but, but, but now, okay, why I think NFTs are not really something that have any staying power, I think they're very similar to motion controls. Like, they can be an enhancement, but like that, it doesn't really add any value to the gaming experience. Like, like really think to yourself, like, like, and I, and I, and I'm open. Maybe I'm wrong. But, like, I generally don't see any true value to an NFT in gaming. Like, I do not, like, I want my character to look like what it's going to look like. I don't want to have to pay for it to be the only character out there in the world that looks like it. I could just mod it. Like, what what benefit do I have that I'm the only person with uh, Geralt from Witcher with a pink hat and I've NFT minted it so nobody else can have it? Like, it's just a flex. <laughs> And like as me as a gamer, it has no value. It's just like a thing, you know? And I sure and so to me, and this is just my personal opinion, I don't think NFTs are here to stay. They're just the next Ponzi scheme. They're just the next motion controls. Everybody's trying to get into it because there's money. Whoa. I, I, hey. Don't don't put motion hey. controls down. <laughs> he like did. That. But okay. Get your gyro okay. out of T- here, Steve. Okay. Tell me like <laughs> I'm not talking motion enhancements because gyro controls, that's an enhancement, but you're not playing a full, like, you're not like playing a game that's truly motion control. Like, think of a game that has true motion controls. There is none. It's just like. One, two, switch, uh, Wii Sports, the, uh, Wii what Sports. is it? The newest, the newest Super Mario Party. That is not a full motion control game. That has. Mike has motion control. Uh, what do you call it? Like I said, enhancing games. Now, no, no, now, no, no. Some of the I, mini games require the motion. Yeah, controls. it's enhancing the experience, but the game itself can be pl- like. There's plenty of stuff where you don't need the motion controls. You know what I'm saying? No, you do. You do need the motion controls. Well, all right. There's you, you other mini games. You know what I'm saying? But I, I, I agree with you. It's a weird line to draw, but okay. I, I, I mean, I, the point. Your your point is still valid. Most <laughs> games don't need them. I'm just saying, like, there are some games where it makes sense. I'm sorry to offend you with motion controls, but the reality is. <laughs> The only thing that motion controls have brought that I think anybody cares about is like gyro and like periodically a random game that uses some element of motion controls. But once again, that's for people who care about that. Some people will care about NFTs and there'll be games with NFTs in them, but I don't think it's taking over the industry. I don't think it's a microtransaction. Sorry. I just went on a long die diatribe or whatever you want to call it. What do you a guys tangent. think? I might be wrong. <laughs> I think... I mean, I hope what you're saying is correct, but I will point out that even if there's no gaming utility, there seems to be, in, well, all right, there's no gaming utility. And I would argue there's probably not even really a money utility because microtransactions make tons and tons of money, you know, with, with very little effort, whereas NFTs also can make tons and tons of money, but require lots of backend work and are prone to issues and scams and all sorts of weird issues uh but in theory 
some publisher or developer might say, oh, this is a great way to make money, or this is a great way to generate hype for my game. So I, I can see how it might become prevalent in the industry, even if everyone hates it. Yeah, I think the idea of having something that nobody else has will always be alluring. And so I don't, I don't know if NFTs will be used in the way they're being presented now, which is stupid, but I, <laughs> I, th- I think that, that they'll rear their heads in a different way, but at, on, on this, like on the surface or internally, it would still be like, considered I'll make a quick, NFT. a quick note about that, Kyle, you don't need NFTs to have uh, one of a kind objects in a game. You can just generate, you know, whatever, a thousand or however many, 10,000 objects that are unique and sell them normally. Like the, the fact that it's an NFT doesn't do anything. I agree. Yeah. Um, so I, mean, I just, it's, so, sorry. Yeah. But so I think in nature and maybe even because of hype, because people know what NFTs are, that they'll leverage that knowledge. But no, I yeah. agree that it's, it's not necessary for it to be that to to still serve that function um but i guess the i guess the counter argument not a counter argument but another side of it as far as like which game or game types that i think nfts would probably be the most or have the most value in and maybe fit in the best are you know games like mmos Mm -hmm. things that have unique cosmetics as already embedded in what you expect from the game because games like uh, Fortnite, you know, is, is an example where if you could they actually put Geralt in Fortnite, by the way, um, but you can't adjust those skins and then those skins are on rotation. So I think NFT skins, NFT functioning skins in, F- in Fortnite would actually break the game in a, in a, in a couple of ways, um, yeah. but mainly just because being able to get a skin someone else has is kind of integral you know, so that's a good point. Yeah, like you see a skin and you want it. If you don't, you can't have it, and it doesn't help exactly the, the economy. Yeah, I I think it. Like you guys said, I think it'll exist. Okay, I think okay. Maybe I was unfair on motion controls. You know, sometimes I get excited. <laughs> <laughs> but Thank I you. do apologize. I, I I do think that where NFTs will fall will be between uh, 3D glasses in the gaming industry and motion controls, like. Maybe Steve, you weren't around when three D, gla- like the three D glasses thing was huge. Do you, do you remember this, Kyle? Like at E three for like two years, everybody was talking about three D glasses. That was when it was also pretty big in movies too. Right? Like when we had like Spy Kids three D and stuff coming out. Yeah, it was like right Avatar comes out, and then like yeah. okay, that's no, I never, I never Which, experienced this in yeah. relation to video games. Yeah, so so this is a very interesting time, and this is where E three has a very interesting part in the history of gaming because it kind of like it can kind of be used as a shilling tool like people can sh- <laughs> <laughs> like it, it has the a shilling grass yeah, the shilling grass like like there is like avatar comes out everybody's talking about 3d glasses da, 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 da. technology is somewhat out of reach in the background people are working on technology and like sony and insignia whatever you want to call them are making these 3d tvs where you can put on your glasses in like oh like 
TV shows will now be 3D and you could see Avatar. And then games were like, yo, we're going to have a 3D mode in them. And then you can get a 3D TV with your glasses and have a more immersive experience. And it was like this big thing for like a year or two. And it immediately died. Like, it was like, eventually people were like, trash. Like, why would I do this? (laughs) I mean, gosh, dude, I do wish I had a 3D TV where I could play a game you know, like a big enough screen, I could play a game and kind of feel somewhat immersed, mm-hmm. like feel some depth. That'd be cool. I think a lot of people expected that, but the experiences did not sell. Yeah, that because because like a game developer is like, why am I going to add this? Like, this doesn't add any value to, <laughs> to my player. Like, I have to, I have to create a very unique experience that like a small subset of players were going to experience. And does it really add any value to them? Like, whoa, Geralt threw his magic fireballs and fire's coming out. (laughs) Like, it's, uh, and and I will say this, there was like one really, really cool thing where you had this TV where it wasn't 3D glasses, but it was around the same technology where two people could play co-op, like play, uh, like say Halo against each other and it would get rid of split screen. And you'd both wear glasses that allow you to sit in front of the TV, but only see your part of the game. I thought that was super cool, but that's a really cool idea. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah but it wasn't truly Trudy glasses, but it was like it was super cool. It's, it's the polarized lenses that they yeah. use. It's, it's probably circular polarization. Yeah, they kind of snuck in there, but that didn't really take off because I guess it's a lot of work from developers as well. It sounds like a ton of work. Yeah, so I feel like if E three existed a hundred percent, it would be NFT shill time, right? Like it'd be every game would be talking about nfts but like i just i think at the end of the day like you guys are saying it's like fortnite for example having nfts would only make the community more toxic you know oh Um, yeah and i do see some value in mmos like you said but at the same time i think there is a interesting part that like in an mmo knowing that you have a chance to get a thing even if it's very, very low, 0.001%, you have mm-hmm. a chance but to know that you don't, like, okay, cool. You're the one guy who had, like, $100,000 to buy the special sword of whatever, you know. I still think that, I still think it's worth, I mean, I'll just point it again briefly, that you can still have, I think what you're saying is true. Like, you can, you can have unique items in a game that without having it tied to a non-fungible token Mm -hmm. and the fact that developers don't usually have unique items in these huge games proves your point because nothing's been stopping them right it would probably be easy Mm -hmm. um but they don't do it because they want people to feel like you know items aren't instanced there's a handful of games i can't remember the names of them but they've experimented with this but on larger scales so with like, uh, there was a, a space game, and so there were unique ships mm-hmm. that you could get, and those were one of a kind. Ooh, and then there cool. was also games that were persistent, and so you could purchase property. And and so yeah, so those really big things seem to work the best. I, th- I think smaller items, yeah, would immediately get out of hand and yeah. be hard to manage. Yeah, but look, they're doing it now without NFTs. Like <laughs> right, yeah. There's no need. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I I don't I don't want our podcast to become a target for <laughs> crypto bros. Uh, so yeah, maybe we get off the subject. Transition. But, 
<clears throat> if anyone wants to fight me, this is my <laughs> No, I mean, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. There will definitely be people who use it. There are definitely people who implement it. I think just like motion controls exist still in some capacity, I think there's going to be places where it makes sense to the player base. But I do not believe, my personal opinion, that NFTs will ever be a standard thing like microtransactions. And even microtransactions is like, I don't know what percentage of games have microtransactions, but I, every game. I, I would say that microtransactions aren't something that I feel uh, impede me in any way. So I think that NFTs will be similar. Like if they do exist, it'll be like a thing you can do if you want to, but like it won't matter, you know? So yeah. unless you're trying to play that, that uh, what was it? The soccer game <laughs> where you have to buy, I guess you have to buy your team, right? All the players are NFTs. They're cards. But but does you know you know not to talk too much about NFTs but I guess in that sense do you really want to have it like yeah I get it that you'd want unique cards like like but at the same time like don't you want the ability for other players to maybe get the card through the loot box because it's like fighting against the other thing that they're using which is microtransactions like <laughs> mm-hmm. so I think it would like kind of shoot them in the foot you know in a way yeah well. I have hope. I I I I think that if, and this will be the last thing I say at least. <laughs> but if uh, if three if E three comes back and if it becomes an NFT shilling ground, I think that will be good because the immediate feedback they'll get it will be very negative, and hopefully that would uh, sour yeah. part of the industry a little quicker. E three would be immediately be canceled again. Again, because right now we have we have games that are getting bought by you know new publishers and suddenly are saying, oh, we're gonna have NFTs, and they just like lose all their wish list. Oh, they get slammed, review bombed. Yeah, it's really rough. And I'm like, yeah, they keep the, doing uh, it too. They keep doing it. So they, I think they expect hype, but they're getting they're Backlash. not realizing that the crypto the crypto bro population doesn't intersect as much with the gaming population as they expected. I think they just want money. I don't think they even care about their yeah, they want the, money. Like the only reason like not to be rude, like web3 and nft to me is just like the new like you know sell like any kind of weird uh triangle strategy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Pyramid there it scheme. Is. You know, like it just seems to me like this man said pyramids. It, I can't believe I mean <laughs> triangle strategy. <laughs> That's why I was laughing. I was like, actually that works. <laughs> Snap. <laughs> like I honestly just I know it I is. honestly just think it's a pyramid scheme. Like at the end of the day, like most of the people who are making money off of NFTs and like Web3 stuff are the type of people who are like going to immediately dump as much as they can as fast as they can and they're going to be out so like you know nothing against my nft bros and my i i just think that right now it's still a little uh too wild wild westy um and people are just trying it's a a cash grab so 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 (laughs) (laughs) switching from nft talk i wanted to ask y'all this all right we talked about e3 we all kind of come to this place where like well maybe e3 would be good now if there was a new E3, like, if maybe it was not called E3, it's something else, what would you E4. want from it? What would you want from it? You know, E4 or F3. <laughs> I I even wonder if it'd be an expo. I think it might be a convention, like a game con. Ooh, EC. Yeah, E3 becomes EC. So that's what you would want, uh, a con? 
Uh, I mean, that's not specifically what I want. I guess I'm just thinking like if it came back, it might come back in that form. Something that's more like by the people and for the people instead of uh, an expo, which is like a more of a business thing. Industry. Yeah. Yeah. An industry, an industry facing thing. So, yeah. So what Um, would you want from E3? Like you're not a person that seems to really care about E3 in general, but yeah, what would you want? Uh, I would like, I would like fun shows that have trailers and announcements and demos and stuff. Preferably, I mean, I don't know if I'll ever do it, but ideally it's somewhere that I could buy a ticket to and fly out mm. and show up and, uh, you know, play with the newest toys or something. Okay. So basically what the E3 was, right? But on a smaller <laughs> scale? Probably at a smaller scale to begin with. I think maybe with a slightly different focus. Like I never went, so I don't know. But you know, you know the difference between an industry industry facing and customer facing. You just remind or you, gamer facing. You just reminded me of something that I forgot about E three. E three was never open to the public. It was ever f- for oh, a very word. long. Not never. Sorry, wrong word. For a very long time, it was not open to the public. It wasn't until like twenty. 13 or something like that that they opened it to the public so you could get in if you knew somebody you know what i'm saying like and they had like events that were around e3 for the public but the public themselves could not enter the e3 event you know like imagine gdc you know kyle but like Mm -hmm. you know it was just Honestly, only for industry and for people who are in the business and in journalists. That was the big thing. And there's a period yeah. of time when they opened it up to the public that journalists were so mad because they could no longer do their job because they'd be they'd want to go play the new demo for X game, but there'd be a five hour long long line, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're like, Well, I gotta go to something else and I gotta go to something else. And E three kind of morphed into this weird thing where it was like they'd have like journalist only events. Where, like, they pull you aside and you could come in and play the game or watch a demo. And then they had the public side. But also, it just got really, really, uh, just a lot of people and really smelly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? Notorious. So, so E3. Game conferences in general. So, E3 might have, maybe that's why publishers stopped wanting to go there. Maybe it's because it it became a, I, I never, I, I just remember this, like, Became a convention. Yeah, because before it wasn't a convention. It was just uh, an industry event okay. that so the, the public could watch. Yeah. You know? Like wow. it's hmm. like CES. Like I know it's open. I don't know how open CES is, but I think it's somewhat close. I don't know. Or or maybe exorbitantly expensive. So you can <laughs> so it minimizes who can go. You know? I wonder why they opened it like that. Maybe it was a money thing, like it it wasn't cost effective to not have it open. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I can only speculate. I mean, I think it seems like it didn't help. I think it was just one of those things they might have decided to because there was a lot of fan fervor. They're like, "Hey, let's lean into it," and you know, yeah, like you said, money like it benefits us. Too much, too much fan fervor. Yeah, but they, <laughs> but you know, once you open that box, that Pandora's box, you can't close it. Like, oh no, you know. Um, or maybe you can if there's a pandemic and you have to suspend <laughs> your show for a few years and then you open up later and say, actually, we're not going to do this anymore. This is something different. Yeah, I, I really have a feeling that's why Nintendo stopped doing it. And that's why they started doing Playhouses because a Playhouse makes more sense from a fan perspective. 
because it's just like them playing games and you getting to play with the games and like little things for the you know like actually, actually right. makes sense so sorry uh just you just reminded me that as you were speaking uh so so yeah, yeah kyle i think i think yeah i think for e3 to come back that was the question right do i think it'll come yeah. back or what would i like to see if it came back yeah like what, what would you want it to look like yeah, I think it would, for me, it would have to, I guess, bring this value that we've been kind of talking about that can only be handled by, e, or I guess, E3 or an expo, um, that exposure, because even the Game Awards, like, they do a lot of announcement-type things. I don't know if they do reveals necessarily, but, I mean... There's plenty of games being revealed all the time now. Like in the current landscape, they're going to have to find a different way to provide value. Yeah. And so for me, I wouldn't want E3 to come back and try to be a greater version of what it was necessarily. But maybe in a, in a way, you know, really lean into the expo side of it um, just because that's something that these online experiences simply can't deliver. But the online experiences aren't going anywhere. So if they try to compete, then they're going to be in the same situation where they just simply can't. Yeah. And at, on, the, on the same same note, uh, I guess, from Steve, is I'd, I'd also prefer it to be more accessible. Because uh, even GDC, I think there's a couple of different ones, right? Mm-hmm. That happen every year. And so if you can't make one, you can go to another. But with E3, it was always just the same, the one, right? Yeah. Um, well, I don't think there should be multiple E3s. That would kind of make it feel like, I don't know, maybe it's less important. It just feels like one more show, one more, you know, Nintendo does their show multiple times a year. Sony does their show multiple times a year. I think the, I the like, approach would, would kind of inform, I guess, if it would have value to go in person. So Sure. So, yeah, if it's like... Yeah, if, if you know there's not going to be anything to gain from you going in person, you know, it, then it being rehashed, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But like if they're coming to your town so that you can play these new games, I think that adds value. Yeah. I, I Go ahead. No, Sorry. no, go ahead because I'm about to just give my thought process of like... All right. I like what Kyle said earlier. We're talking about how each having a limit, like each maybe each publisher or even each studio can only present one or two games because a that would (laughs) that would cut down on the lame marketing that we get maybe and b i think it would open up the time for different studios that maybe we don't hear from as much to show something different that we don't see as much yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i I think that they should return to their roots. I think that G4. G4. <laughs> Bring back Adam Sessler. Bring back Adam Sessler. <laughs> um, I think E3 should return to their roots and become more of an industry event and less of a gamer event. I think they should have they should go oh. back to what they did because all right. My reasoning is because you you mentioned GDC, Kyle. Now, GDC has a particular purpose. If you think about it, like, yeah, 
there are going to be some gamers that go to GDC, but 99% of people, okay, maybe that's a lot. 90% of people are just the people who are aspiring game developers and currently game de- developers, right? They're mm-hmm. going there to... It's in the name. To, huh? Sorry, I was saying it's in the name. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. It's for the game developers. So, like, it, yeah, they have demos, and because, like, they know that people are going to be there. Like, I, you know, we, me and Kyle were there. We played a lot of different games. But if you think about a lot of the stuff that we played was a lot more like experimental games and what people are developing, things that would probably never show up at an E3, you know? Mm. Like, it's very much focused for the game developer to be like, wow, that's really cool what people are doing. Wow, that really inspires me. It's like kind of like a more like a like a, a conference that's about inspiring developers than it is like purely like uh, a financial benefit you know it's like yeah it's there to to encourage developers to make great things and to pass on lessons learned and things like that now e3 i think was always about impressing investors and impressing people who might want to buy or invest in their the the publisher or the work being done exactly and i think that if they brought back E3, I think it should once again be an industry event and it really should be focused on the greatest and the best. Like, you don't get Forza 5 on the stage with a giant Lamborghini if it's like a mediocre game. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Forza was like basically an indie game. <laughs> like, they would not be getting that Lambo, no. you know what I'm saying? That brand new whatever. They would just drop it in the sizzle reel. <laughs> um... And I think that's where, like, the best of the best should always be held off and showed. Because that is going to bring the most eyes and the most impact. And I think that if you know that the the newest Final Fantasy, the newest Zelda, the newest uh, FromSoft game, the newest, you know, Call of Duty, blah, 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 you know, newest Halo, we're all going to show up at that event and solely at that event because it has the most impact from a financial and, like, industry standpoint i think yeah. e- e3 comes back but i think as long as it's trying to be piecemeal and like no disrespect to indies but like nobody cares like <laughs> like like the gamers care but the industry mm-hmm. is not interested yeah. in you until you got something to offer you know <laughs> then they just, then they just want to buy your ip buy your ip and then destroy it <laughs> <laughs> so i don't i just think e3 needs to like no more indies. Go to AAA and AA and get the fans out of it. And so differentiate. Yeah, go back to its roots, you know. Uh and and I do disagree. I don't think it should be a multi thing event because I think it just, you know, lessens the steam from any particular event. Um You don't think it should be a what event? Multi like multi location multiple oh, per, every every year having multiple because i think a conference is different because a conference is fun because it's like some people aren't going to be able to go to san francisco but they could go to texas or they could or like they're in europe so the gdc in europe is for the europe population and is very specific you know but i think e3 is like a global kind of thing you know so yeah that's fair you know if they if they come back with that moniker but i guess so not to de- defend my answer but I was speaking more along the lines of if if they were to change the formula and they didn't come back with, I guess those things as their values, mm-hmm. then yeah, for sure. I don't I don't I don't think that having um, 
you know, mindset that we're just going to show the best of the best makes sense in a duplicated form because like it, it does devalue it. And especially now when things will just be all over the internet right after the first one. So I think there has to be some sort of hands-on thing if they're going to do something that's um, localized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, to me, that's the whole point of any conventions or um, anything of that nature is, you you've got a something something tangible has to be involved. Yeah, yeah. I I I think that the gaming industry is in such an interesting place. Like, it's. I don't know if it's oversat. Well, I it is oversaturated, <laughs> without a doubt. And I think that with the oversaturation, it's hard to tell what really matters. Other than it already having a name or like behind it. And I think that without something like E3 that stands as like the quote unquote gold standard, even though, you know, people lied at E3. I mean, we the myth of Poller, Poller, Peter Molyneux would not exist without E3. (laughs) You know, like Peter Molyneux. You mean the legend, the, right? <laughs> the legend. Sorry. Yes, you're right. He's a he is a myth. Also, <laughs> he made his, a myth. his games are a myth, but like he himself fables, is, <laughs> fables, boodoop. <laughs> um, you know, like there would be no Peter Molyneux, but Peter Molyneux also made fable. He made black and white. He faked Milo, but but it was a cool <laughs> idea that made you like he pretended. Did made you dream. Um. And E3 is also known for introducing games that never come out, right? But, like, da- yes. you know, like dare you? How? Like, imagine the Jeff Keighley show, and he he shows a game that doesn't come out, right? Like, you, you it doesn't happen like that. It has to be, <laughs> like, like, it's almost like a promise. Like, I like the idea that E3 is kind of like a, you never know, though. <laughs> uh, Jeff will I kind of like... With with Keely, I like that his face is part of the show because it feels like he's personally responsible <laughs> exactly. for everything that we see. <laughs> he's like Whereas E three is just faceless. He's like a game show host. <laughs> like Valve shows up and they're like, uh we're we're gonna have um, you know, Half Life Three and like he, he shows at the show and then Jeff Keeley's like, I-, I just wanna make sure you know this. Like, this has to come out. Um <laughs> you know, I know you you know I'll I'll get my pound of flesh. Gabe, you're not gonna hide from me. <laughs> you know, he's like he's like 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 gabe's like has a favorite you know like gaming system he's like it'd be it'd be unfortunate if uh you're, you're <laughs> if your steam deck if your steam deck your, your golden steam deck just uh you know disappeared you know uh so i expect to see that game out in 2025 <laughs> who's more games. powerful jeff Keeley or gaben or who gabe, gabe new uh jeff Keeley at this jeff point Keighley. You think so? Jeff Keighley, yeah. I think Jeff Keighley is the... Uh, He's on the top. Yeah. I think... Who 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 is more powerful than Jeff Keighley? Okay. Do you, so do you think... <laughs> so do you think Gabe Newell is more powerful? I think he could be. He's like the lord of his castle, you know? Within... Especially w- w- within his realm, he is unassailable. Within his realm. But Jeff Keighley is right. like the byzantine empire (laughs) he's like a wandering knight out for blood like yeah like you're not gonna you're not gonna defeat gabe newell but gabe newell's not gonna take over multiple countries you know like he's he's yeah he's legendary you know he's 
he's not Alexander the Great. That's who Jeff Keeley is, you know. Like I see. You know. Uh <laughs> I mean, who who is who is more prolific in the game industry at this moment than Jeff Keeley? Uh, it yeah. might be Gabe. I think he's I think Gabe's more prolific if only because Steam is more prolific and he kind of to some extent his face is on is on Steam. Is it though? Yeah, people have you seen the memes every time there's a Steam a Steam sale it's like oh, you know. Yeah. Uh the holy gate the holy saint Gaben is blessing us yet again. I've I mean, I'm a I'm a deep plugged into the game and I I I've seen the see memes those, but yeah. like I I would have to say like from a general public standpoint, I think Gabe Neal 10 years ago was the Jeff Keeley now. You know what I'm saying? Like or or maybe mm. yeah, maybe 5 years ago, 10 years ago. Like when Steam was really like the one and only platform really doing it, you know. Uh, there should be a poll for our Discord. Who's more powerful? <laughs> they will do it. We who, will do it. Who would win in a fight? Who is more? Who would win? I guess it depends on the fight. We have to set some parameters later. We'll figure it out. Uh, Jeff Keeley would win in a <laughs> physical fight. <laughs> well, yeah, he'd fight exactly. dirty. I feel like Gabe Newell would have some honor, like. Jeff Keeley would be like, hey, buddy, let's talk. And then, he, and then like, hey, like, let's shake hands beforehand. And before they just stab you, right? <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> he's like the Sea King from uh, one of the Sea Kings in, in, uh, in Baki. Just keeps shaking your hand and then, <laughs> then throwing you. He's <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry. Gabe, no. Let me you shake look a little thirsty. You want something to drink? <laughs> oh, thank you, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> just with, and then like the darkness comes over. <laughs> His eyes darken. What's wrong with this drink? <laughs> nothing let's fight <laughs> also I bring my fit my best friend kojima he's gonna help out kojima just <laughs> yeah he would definitely tag team with kojima for sure. we said it was a one-on-one fight oh did we say that where is it in the contract i never saw that we didn't sign a contract <laughs> jeff keely seems like the type so yeah i don't think gabe, gabe newell gabe newell has too much honor he should keep his castle intact you know you know, y'all are playing triangle strategy. Go home, old there, man. There's a character in triangle strategy that I feel like Gabe Newell is, but you know. Oh, I see. You've been Gabe. projecting your your anime characters <laughs> on my boy. You know, all <laughs> respect to Gabe. You know, he's definitely like high top top echelon. Him, Kojima, Miyamoto. You know, like uh, Tim Schafer. Mm-hmm. Like those dudes. Ooh, you Tim know, Schafer. Yeah. They they, uh, you know, Cliff Blazinski. You know. No, I think he's he's a well, not anymore. I guess he's not as not anymore. You're right. You're right. Sean from Hello Games. Where is he? <laughs> Snap! Come on, he, he's definitely infamous. <laughs> the most infamous. He's definitely infamous. Mean Peter Molyneux Jr. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> you know that's his son. Like straight. It up. is <laughs> straight up. You know it. You know. But uh, so yeah, so our our super agile family. Y'all gonna have to decide who's who's the greater, <laughs> who's greater, Gabe Newell or Jeff Keeley. You know where I stand. I think you know where Steve stands. Actually, we haven't heard from uh, the Kyle himself. Who is greater in the industry at this moment? Let Discord decide. <laughs> you just Switzerland. He'll stay as a tiebreaker. Yeah, Switzerland. <laughs> Switzerland. Yeah. I mean, I you guys are at odds. There's no way I'm gonna break the tie here <laughs> on the podcast. No chance. I feel like we need that sometimes. You you, you just don't want to align yourself with either of us. <laughs> that is also speaking true. With, <laughs> speaking with aligning yourself with a nation, 
uh, I have time probably uh, this weekend to watch a certain movie. About nations. Okay. About nations. Okay. I wasn't going to bring it up. I actually was going to bring it up offline. But now that you've brought it up. So, oh, so how are we feeling, brothers? Are we going to do it next week? I mean, we are we are going. Oh, next yeah. week. Uh, Yeah, I think I can, sw- I I can we, swing. We got Steve on. Kyle? Uh, yeah. If if we could time box it, yeah, I'll watch it what this week. Time time I'll watch it this weekend. We'll talk about it on the podcast. Then I'll forget the movie exists and burn Absolutely. the DVD. Absolutely, time box the experience. <laughs> Just yeah. like like Kyle has the ability to like force it into some part in his mind that's like. <laughs> <laughs> he's just muscling it like stay in temporary memory stay in temporary memory <laughs> i guess if he just gets really trashed on like alcohol mm. or something during like from the weekend until tuesday we don't condone this and then after that his short-term memory is just we gone down this how damage he, he lost his entire he lost all his work for the day he's like what did i work on i mean what you could do is there? watch it right before we record and like just hope that it'll just stay in your be, Have time to percolate. I'll be very aggressive yeah. on the podcast. It won't move to your long-term memory. <laughs> but here, here, here's the thing. God of War, our deep dive is going to be coming soon, too. So you'll really be yeah. able to wipe all of that out of your mind. So I actually want to remember God of War. Now I'm, now I'm yeah, excited I, about the sequel. I, I thought I was enjoying the game, but then I realized I'm actually really enjoying the yeah. game. Hey. Okay. I, we, we got a lot. You know, Kyle finished it. And I, I heard a little bit of a, I, I could feel the vibe through his texting, like wow. what he he was. Oh, you were texting. Well, through you know our our Slack, you know, uh, through okay. his text, his literal text. I was like, I think I know how he feels about it. I'm interested where to see where you're going, Steve, because I know exactly where you're at, and yeah, I'm like, okay, okay. You don't know me. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know where Catch I've been. Catch me outside. Catch me outside. So, <laughs> I, I guess as we're going out on this tangent, I guess I guess we can kind of come in for a landing. Any last thoughts on E three or, uh, you know, the the state of the E three? What it be? What it could be? From you guys. So, I think E three the decline of E three has really reshaped how publishers handle announcements Hmm. because there are so many just random game announcements and reveals and trailers like daily and i don't know if i love it or hate it yet Um, so a couple days ago kingdom hearts 4 was just randomly just randomly dropped yeah like at the at the end of another trailer right and yeah yeah for a game nobody cares about some sort of weird kingdom hearts that mobile game made in flash i'm probably gonna offend somebody with that but you see that with that game looks i think it was a browser game action script oh. for <laughs> sorry continue anyway um yeah I, I don't know how i feel about that i feel like you know if i would have seen that reveal at one of these showcases it would have been more hype uh but you know i appreciate knowing that the game is here so you know it kind of is what it is on that. Yeah, I agree. It would have. It could have been. It could have been pretty hype. I didn't love Kingdom Hearts three. I knew that they were aiming for a sequel or another game, I guess, in the series. But I would have. I would have been excited. Like, oh wow, they're doing something with Kingdom Hearts. Even if they announced it after a bunch of other 
Kingdom Hearts crap I don't care about, mm. to have it as be a part of a show would have been cool. Yeah, that's different. Yeah. And I was expecting like a Kingdom Hearts 3.78, you know, lotion on your knees <laughs> something. You mean 3.14? Hey. 3.14 lotionized edition. That would have been fire. <laughs> that would have been fire. Shea butter Shea edition. Butter edition. <laughs> Cocoa butter. Oh, man. That would have been fire. <laughs> hey, it might put. Well, isn't Coco a Disney movie? Coco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Pixar no, movie. Wait. I guess Coco? it's close enough. Yeah. Or was that Pixar? Does it matter anymore? They Pixar, put Monsters Inc. in the last one. So. I don't. I don't think it matters. Toy Story is part of it. Yo, so. give me cars. Give me Sora as a car, man. Let me not have cars. Actually, let me just say that. I right have now. a lot of <laughs> issues no with cars. the Cars universe in general. Like, there's just a lot of <laughs> weird ethical questions that I think are not covered in the movie but that's for another Yo, thing <laughs> the cars deep dive yeah we really should so i think there's an ethical question in why they did sequels for cars before they did sequels for the incredibles great i, I want to I, I thought they were working on incredibles the whole time which is taking forever maybe i don't think i, don't they know. I just think sequel, it was morally man. wrong i just don't think they should have i think they should have left it as it was you know like sometimes you just let it be you know it's bittersweet like because it wasn't bad, it was it incredible. They should have left cars. Incredibles was incredible, and I think I haven't seen Incredibles two because people have told me like, "Meh, it's okay," and I'm like, "I, I, I uh, Incredibles one just set the bar so stinking high. Mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. it's the movie's fault that it's meh in comparison. Can't do anything. That's why I say like you got to leave on a high note. You know what I'm saying? It's like you got to just walk away. Like if they say to fighters, walk away when you're a champion. Not after you lose the belt and you get beat up like 10 times and you fight a YouTuber and get knocked out. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Oddly specific. I'm just Ooh. saying. I'm just saying. Sometimes you got to walk away before it's, it's too late, you know. Um, <laughs> so um, we should do. I, I have Incredibles. All I can say is that it was the most unexpected. Like that. Ang Bak is the most unexpected movie I've ever seen in the movie theater. And then. Oh, yeah. I got yeah, to do a deep dive on that. And the Incredibles is close to it because we, like me, my brother, and my sister are like, oh, you want to go see a movie? Like, we never watch movies. Sure. Like, Incredibles. Okay. It was so good. It was so good. It was such a great experience. So anyway, um, Steve, any last thoughts on uh, E3? Oh, um, something else I miss. I talked about it a little bit, but I really miss Nintendo shenanigans. You know, the puppet sketch. Oh, yeah. Um. Oh, you're right. The, the Wii music thing was awful, but at least it was goofy. It was Nintendo awful. Nintendo. Yeah, it's a certain brand of of cringe that is kind of entertaining. It shows it. Well, I don't know. Maybe people disagree with me. It shows that they don't always have their finger on the pulse. But man, at least they try. Do yeah. they? Nintendo is everybody's eccentric uncle. You know, like, they're so genuine, man. You know, like he he owns some type of like weird shop and he does but he's like the best at it and like you know he always wears like <laughs> sunglasses and you know like it's just he's a little weird but he's a great he's a great time when he's in town you know he has like oil prints on his waist where he's what where he wipes his hands <laughs> exactly and he has like a weird like car from europe and he but it's like a drop top and whenever you hang out with him you drive around and it's just a great time but he also like eats a weird diet you know, and <laughs> yeah. and then he blasts the stereo, and it goes boop, 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 bo
Uh, so uh, yeah, that was my that was my. So, I mean, my last thought is kind of go uh, similar to what you were saying, Kyle. Where like I feel like with the the void, like something needs to fill the void of E three because, like you said, there is no reason that Kingdom Hearts four should have been an anecdote in the gaming industry. Industry like I, the fact that I heard about it was through y'all talking about it. Like I should have been like, I'm not a Kingdom Hearts like super fan. But, like, Kingdom Hearts is one of those things that I feel like is kind of like Final Fantasy or Halo or something. It's just, like, really special to the industry and deserves more respect than that. And I feel like E3 was the place where, like, you could kind of, the, the noise would go away and you could really, like, honor all of the the games that really deserve to be on stage. Um, and I'm sorry, like, there's no... There's no place for a yik to exist in the same space that, you know, a Horizons, you know, a Forbidden West exists. Like, they should never be allowed to be in the same space. And I feel uh, like... Were they in the same just, space? Just, they're both on YouTube. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like my uh, mind is like, E3 should... Banish be, them from YouTube. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like E3 has is, like, was such a special place where you knew that anything that was coming there would be special. Like... If you know nothing about games, Yik might show up first because it's it's viral, you know, like it's controversial. It's controversial. And you might I mean <laughs> dog, forget Yik. Remember that game we just talked about? Uh the the normal journey or something? Where oh, that, they the use the oh, art style, Joel's Joel's oh, like, yeah. Joel uh, Hamer or whatever. Yeah, his his like I guess silhouette cartoon art style that he popularized on YouTube. And they're making a game with that. And the trailer was, first of all, the game looks bad. Well, I mean, it looks bad. fine no. for like what appears to be a one-man job. But like, this to be a lot. it's not something I want to pay money Don't for. forgive him. And then the trailer was so like unapologetically terrible. Like it made me upset watching. <laughs> I couldn't watch the whole thing. And then at the end of it, you see, like the Sony logo. Yes. Like, you know. This is from Sony. It's going to be on PlayStation. I'm like, excuse me? Yeah. So Sony should legitimately, like... They should sue. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> the Nintendo Banhammer. Like, send the lawyers. Because that thing is egregious. Like, it makes me almost like, man, why do I have a PlayStation? Like, if they're going to let this kind of garbage... <laughs> you know, like, it... it they put it on I'm their channel. You, man, this time next year, free games on PS Plus. Dude. The normal journey dude, is going to be if on they there. give me that, son, like, I... Ooh. I might have to go to Japan and talk to somebody. Like, it's, it's like, no. What are you doing here? <laughs> you need to stop. You're a Sanai. You're a Sanai. <laughs> <laughs> I recognize that tone. <laughs> and they just keep bowing like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, but like, <laughs> you know, like it's, um, yeah, I just, I just wish that the, there's a more sacred place for the games that deserve that kind of honor. Um, and the Jeff Keighley shows and conferences are cool, but they're also, they're also mixed in with indie games. Like, I just don't think, I, no disrespect to indie games, but like, there's a reason that a AAA game costs X million dollars and your, yours is the budget of eating ramen noodles. You know, like, it's just different. It's not, you know, I'm, I'm just being real. Go I'm easy. a developer. Go easy. I'm a game developer, and I'm just being honest. Like I, a game that I create by myself, 
unless it doesn't help you to be next to them. Yeah. Either. It you're just gonna get overshadowed. True. Yeah. Like it's just a different world and you know, I think there's great like Stardew Valley is one of my favorite games of the last few years, but I don't think that it's something that you could compare to Horizon Zero Dawn, you know? So it's it's just different worlds. So anyway, I'm I don't mean to bash on my boys, my indie game. That's cream of the crop indie. Yeah. So that's cream of the crop. Even then. Go to go to itch.io. <laughs> you will Oof. see the the crop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this point, go to Sony's go to store. Sony's store. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo's Yo, store. Oh, the eShop. Yo, it's just Kyle. You bought that uh that um that bundle that that the itch bundle. Oh, the hump. Yeah. Yo, son. Oh, I got the Ukraine yes. bundle. There's a lot of stuff. It's like in a there. thousand Some of games. It's good. A thousand games. Yeah. A thousand, y'all. Like. It's less than a thousand, and some of them are like tabletop games, which is actually really interesting. I have all I have access to all these, these like I had to print out the pieces myself, I guess. But yeah, I bet it's still up. Itch.io has a a tabletop or a a Ukraine bundle with like a thousand games slash other things, and some of the games are good. I saw Baba's You Celeste was in there. Um, who Celeste? Okay, yeah, I'm not surprised Celeste would be in there. So I have a much larger backlog than I did. Just, a month just ago. imagine if like Elden Ring was in there, right? Like, <laughs> like, like think of <laughs> that'd be more on, of a statement about Elden Ring than about. Imagine you know, Elden Ring being on itch.io at all. It might be a lot. Of, there's some. There's some like decent games on itch.io that you could like actually buy that are actually good games. Yeah, they they're really? like on the front page. Like you pay forty dollars for them. Like. It has its yeah. own kind of Steam thing going on. So the PS one version of Elden Ring that's being made would probably be hundred percent, hundred percent. The cart uh you mean the uh Bloodborne cart. Oh that too, yeah. Blood- Bloodborne yeah. cart, yeah. So <laughs> you know, so so anyway, um hey, that's just our opinions. No disrespect to anybody out there in the streets. We just we we just we just think things and we feel things and we share them with the people. So. Yeah. I don't wanna I don't wanna Dis- or discourage the guy who made that game. I, just, <laughs> I don't. I'm just mad at Sony. No offense, dude, but they should not have put your game on the store. Yeah, I think they did you wrong. They 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 make they, It's almost like when a kid gets last place in a in something, and you give them a gold medal for you know, like right. it's it's not helping them. It does them no. But yeah, that trailer. I do want to discourage you. That trailer was awful. You should have been told no, sir. <laughs> yeah. No, slap his hand. Your family your family should have stopped. <laughs> yeah. you. Bad. He comes he comes to Sony like, here's my trailer. Like, no. Get it. <laughs> bad game. Bad game. Bad game. The president should have called you and said, please don't. Maybe a bad trailer. Maybe the game's good. I mean the game, I'm sorry, it didn't look good, but you know, it, it could be. <laughs> he was trying to be nice. He's like, wait, okay. <laughs> I mean it was like, yeah, it was just no. yeah. 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 Sorry, yeah. sorry. Not to bash on the dude. It's just real talk. They're real talk. trying to be the next book snack. You know, like maybe he's super humble. You know, I got to give him credit until he starts acting like the creator. <laughs> like, like I am creating. This is something that this time is not ready for. I. <laughs> if, if nothing else, he's aware of what he made. So I'll uh, say that I misunderstood so. in my time. 
Oh, wait, yo, hey guys, this is this is not a thing that we actually have to do. This is not a thing that we actually have to do. So, so okay, let me let me get, give this as a uh, as for those who don't know what Yik is. It's literally it's what Y two K, right? Y two K. It's Y and the Roman numerals two, like I I and then K. So Y two K, but also Yik. So I'm just pitching this to you guys. This is there's no uh, commitment. So super agile no. nation. No. This is not something we're committing to. <laughs> but why don't we should do a hate play and we should all play yik <laughs> you i'm not saying you have to complete it but we should play it to some extent like and then if it's I, free if i i mean we can make whatever condition once again i'm not saying that we have if to, you pay me i'm not paying you nothing but is what if the game isn't free i'm not i'm saying we we, <laughs> sh- we should play yik and have a deep dive on it um once again, I'm not trying to bash nobody, but I think it would be very interesting to like a deep dive on the shallowest game to really try to understand what happened. Like, like on some real like psychological, <laughs> like maybe we can bring a psychologist on. Like, <laughs> we have one of these. People have done yes. that though. People have people have uh, cut this game apart, man. Yeah. Well, hey, man, we we have an original thought. I think our podcast stands above a lot of content out there like we say things that are so we do say things. you know what i'm saying like i've said things you know like <laughs> you could play doom on a but anyway so like no. so, don't, don't, don't do me like that but we, we do have you know um my wife joined the discord and she is gonna be in the future uh, uh a therapist helping the people out in the world you know so hey. she might be able to help uh, she, I sometimes ask her stuff like, what do you think about this? And she gives me a good perspective. So anyway, that <laughs> will do it for e- E3 Talk. Uh, that'll also do it for Yik Talk. We'll probably never talk about Yik again. But you never know. Offline, we might have a discussion and change our minds. But, uh, but yeah, so thank you uh, for listening to this episode of Super Agile Bros. We are so happy to have you here. You know, once again, I want to thank my brothers, my brothers in crime. Uh, Kyle, thank you for being here today. Thank you, sir. Thank yes, sir. you, sir. Always a pleasure. I'm saluting you over here. Yes. See me. Yes. They can hear that through the through the mic microphone. And as well, uh, I also want to thank our brother Steve. Thank you, Steve, for, for joining. This really has been a crime. This truly has been a crime. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a crime. Uh, a murder scene. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, you know, we, we, we love to have you. Once again, I say this at every end of every episode. You can find us on uh, Twitter at VSAB Podcast. And you can find us on all different streaming and podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. In the streets, you'll find us. I'll mail you this podcast. Google Super Agile. Send me your mailing address. (laughs) I have a lot of floppy disks to spare. A lot. (laughs) Too many. Real talk, most computers couldn't even hold our old podcast if it has a floppy drive on it it just explodes <laughs> like this is too big so anyway thank you so much for listening today we really appreciate you we love our super agile family and until next time peace <laughs>